the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K, presented by Tap 14. Analysis and commentary to help you get your Broncos fixed during the offseason. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or listen on demand anytime in the Mile High Sports mobile app. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. Ronnie K, Sean Drotar here today as the NFL Combine is in motion. And the Broncos brass, they are speaking at the Combine. We will bring you those quotes and our reaction to that, including a real interesting theme that uh, we picked up, at least Sean picked up, that he'll tell you here in a bit. But first, our friends at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Of course, as we get closer to baseball season, too, they're a hop, skip, and a jump from Coors Field. They have the 70 Colorado beers on tap and, Sean, the 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Yeah, obviously, you and I have maybe take different angles on it. You're more the spirits guy. I'm more the beer guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's the perfect spot for both and everything. All Colorado made, all locally grown and everything. But no doubt the food as well, too. Chef Ange- Andrea Varela has just a fantastic locally sourced, and it rotates, too. So it's right. not bland. Go to the website. Spell out 14 for me. Tap14.com. That's tap14.com. Combine in action. Elway and Vance Joseph both have spoken, and we will bring you those quotes. And we want to start with a quote that I think uh, was really the biggest announcement, per se. And this coming from John Elway, speaking at the Combine. This is about the offensive line as a whole, particularly Ron Leary and Menelik Watson. Well, uh, you know, Menelik will be back. Um, and so, we, you know, right now he's the right tackle. And, and uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Ronald going back to left. Uh, putting it back over there, but those those are always always fluid until we until we get there. But those are all ideas. So, but yeah, I mean we've got we've got ten picks, you know, and so and then we'll also depending on how free agency free agency falls, dabble in free agency too. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean we want to continue to get better there. So, and I'm I'm excited about the new coaches we've hired there with Chris Strausser and Sean Kugler and uh, what they'll be able to do with the group that we have. So I'm excited about them. Well, as you could hear there, Ronnie, he's talking about bringing Menelik Watson back as the, the starting right tackle. That was a disaster last year, but it makes sense from a financial standpoint. His dead cap money is $2.6 million now. If they wait till after June 1, it becomes $1.3. It's basically half that. So for the Broncos, financially, it makes sense to go ahead and bring him back and see how he goes in training camp or preseason, knowing that you can release at that point. There's no real drawback to it. Moving Leary to the left makes a lot of sense, too. That's where he was outstanding with Dallas. But uh, it's sort of strange that he wasn't there in the first place last year. But what I find really interesting about that discussion is that that's the kind of thing we would have normally heard from a coach, a head coach. Earlier in the day, Vance Joseph. Yeah, early in the day, Vance Joseph spoke and basically said nothing the whole time. Nothing. And... That's fine. That's all well and good. Teams play things close to the vest this time of year. But then to have the GM come up and talk about specific uh, personnel decisions on not the back end, but the front end, where they'll play, you know, where they expect to start, that's kind of stuff you normally hear from the head coach. And it reminded me a lot of the dynamic that we'll see in Dallas with Jerry Jones and Jason sure. Garrett, who never really seems to actually get to have the answer. You have to go up and ask Jerry Jones for the real answer. This has been something that I think we've seen over the last year with Vance Joseph, but I don't think it was ever more clear than it really was yesterday with well, John Elway's comment. And to your point, Vance Joseph spoke earlier, had the chance to lay this all out, and didn't. He was asked very much, very much the same questions. And that indicates that he wasn't supposed to. Exactly. Not that he didn't. Not that he forgot about it or something. Yeah, it is certainly going to be interesting. Now, Elway did speak as well on his confidence of 
head coach Vance Joseph. Well, I, mean, I think he'll be a better coach just from what he experienced last year, having gone through that. And as I said, you know, it's like drinking through a fire hose for him. You know, a lot of times you don't know what you're getting into until you actually become the head coach. And I think that, uh, you know, Vance is a bright young coach with a lot of energy. And I think, uh, you know, I was impressed with this positive as he stayed throughout the year with the energy that energy level that he had, which was very difficult to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, I think Vance has got a lot, you know, he's going to grow a lot this year, and I think he'll make big strides this year. Well, obviously there are, Vance Joseph, the one thing he did say is that wins are going to matter. He needs to get more wins. But there is a lot to learn. This is going to be a fascinating part of the equation, not only because of what Vance Joseph can do, but how he's perceived when it comes to getting free agents as well. If you're still pursuing a Kirk Cousins, the head coach is going to be a big factor in this decision. And if you're not confident the coach is the coach for you, or if he's even going to stay with the team, that really does change the dynamic of the entire free agent equation for the Broncos. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if there's an impact there because the one thing you can honestly say, and I think it's fair, and it's not even really meant to denigrate Vance Joseph, is he's not the guy in charge, and he's the guy that almost got fired. John Oway basically said he slept on it and decided not to. So he, he hasn't really come in to this season in a very strong position, not where you can use him as, say, an asset to recruit free agents. Well, and the that, truth and, is he's probably more of a detriment. And that was the best word to use. He's not an asset. He's almost a detriment in this recruiting process because the Jets have signed Todd Bowles to the two-year deal. We obviously know Mike Zimmer is not going anywhere in Minnesota, and yet Denver has this shaky ground. And it's those little details. I mean, we, we've talked about this in previous podcasts with recruiting Kirk Cousins. I mean, it takes every single thing you have as a team to get him in. And remember, uh, let's not forget the the botched uh, Jamal Charles situation, you know, and how that can affect it. Reputation is everything. And I think everybody inside the Denver bubble still believes Denver is this great franchise. And they are. Uh, by all means, they're a fantastic franchise. But I think the shine from the Super Bowl has kind of been rubbed away a little bit. It's scratched a little bit. That's not to say it's gone, but certainly Vance is not helping them as an asset. He's a detriment. Yeah, and, and some of this, quite frankly, also lies at the foot of John Elway because we don't know exactly how much Elway allows Vance Joseph to do or if he's just getting his marching orders from upstairs and, and goes and takes it from there. And that kind of uh, sort of a p- opaque nature of the organization makes it a tough thing to deal with agents and free agents trying to understand what they're actually dealing with. Yeah. You know, am, am I going to work with this coach? Does this coach really coach me? Does he tell me what to do? If I have a complaint, do I come to him or do I go up to John Elway? S- some of this stuff isn't really transparent to us right now. And it's it will be very interesting to see what, if any, impact it will have in free agency. I suspect it will have impact. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what changed and what didn't, but it's hard to believe it won't have some impact, especially on a big-time free agents like a Cousins or anybody else that you expect to be a starting caliber player. Well, and it doesn't help that the guy who is taking and calling those shots, Elway, is missing on a lot of these starting quarterbacks, searching now again for a starting quarterback. I want to play this quote, and then I want your reaction to a certain part of it. This is Elway on searching for a starting quarterback again. Believe me, I'm not done swinging and missing. So, look, misses don't bother me. We just got to figure out a way to get it right. So that's what we're working on. So I want to highlight this one part. It's, I'm not done swinging and missing, and then he laughs. Misses don't bother me is that a big deal to you 
Because it's kind of a big deal to me. Yeah, yeah. Because misses bother me. It was a bit of a, a, a flippant comment. I, I understand where it was coming from. That you can't, it's an imperfect science. But sure. misses. He's also I'll, now I'll, 0 for 3. I'll put it this way. Misses don't bother me unless you're missing in the same way. And when it comes to the quarterback position, they're missing in the same way. They keep going for a tall, strong-armed guy that yep. wasn't all that accurate in college and just figured that they'll coach him up and turn him into something. They now tried that twice. It hasn't worked either time. So it is not the idea they missed. It's the idea that they got the same type of guy two times in a row and missed two times in a row. So that's why I look at someone like a Josh Allen who is right in that mold, mm -hmm. and I think if you make that selection and it doesn't pan out, now you have a real problem. Yeah, so, it's, it's doing the same thing over and over and yeah, over, expecting a missing, different result. Yeah, missing is one thing, but if you're doing the same thing over and over again and missing, now it's, now it's on you. Do you think that would almost influence them to stay away from a Josh Allen? I would hope so. We I, hope so. I would least. hope so. It, it should. I mean, why would you continue to do the same thing? Because this time you're convinced that the same type of player is really good? And maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe Josh Allen will be a Hall of Famer one day. But if you're the Broncos, you've grabbed that kind of guy twice. And you've completely whiffed twice. I think it'd be foolhardy to do it three times in a row. Well, certainly picking at five, Denver will have the opportunity at a guy who breaks that mold. He's not the tall six five. He's not a tall guy, Sean. No. He's not tall. He's Russell Wilson size. But I tell you what, he is pretty explosive, and that's Baker Mayfield. This is Elway on Baker Mayfield and how his height may potentially be hurting his stock. I think that's been broken. I mean, you got Drew Brees and... and well, yeah, they've proved that you can do it, you know, and so, um, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, he, he's obviously a, a very much a competitor, he's had a great college career and, and uh, you know, won the Heisman Trophy, so he proved he can play. In this case, uh, Elway surprised me a little bit with that comment because he's always talked about tall guys, strong arms. Uh, Mayfield's arm strength is not in question, but the, the height is. But I think he, he made the right mention. Uh, Mayfield is larger than Drew Brees, who he mentioned. He's slightly larger than Russell Wilson, who he mentioned. Uh, maybe a little bit more slender than than uh, Russell Wilson, but also you know a young guy coming right out of college too. But I, I think that's probably a good sign to hear something like that because it means that maybe they are realizing the same thing I was suggesting. We can't keep doing the same thing and figuring one time it's going to work. Maybe we need to go get the guy that looks like the best player to us, even though he doesn't check all our little height, weight, hand size all those goofy boxes that you're worried about at, at combine time. This and and maybe he was just saying this, but this oh, was yeah. the most. He could have been completely just absolutely just saying could it's have a blow been smoke. giving us, as we like to say, GM talk or coach speak. You know, uh, this was the most refreshing thing to hear from Elway this time around because I do believe that the history shows he falls in love with that big arm and that, but. For him to at least mention that the stigma is broken, that there are very effective quarterbacks, Breeze, Wilson, you know, that, that have been very good, and they don't have to be the tallest guy in the world. And I, I think Paxton Lynch has really shown him that there is more to just height and weight. And I think, you know, Elway, at the time when he was playing, that's kind of what he was, big, strong guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was, he was a physical specimen. Nobody had really come in like him. And maybe that this has changed his mind in the new age NFL that, you know what, if you're deadly accurate, doesn't matter how tall you are, uh, you can really play in the NFL. So certainly interesting to see. Lastly, I want to, uh, the NFL combine going on, the combine is kind of this interesting little dance because it's like 
these guys are not throwing against defenses. There's no pads on. I mean, what, first of all, what do you think of the combine before we get to Elway's combine? Well, I think it's it's dramatically overrated. I think it's a made-for-TV event the way yeah. it is now. The most important They're thing just is really in about, their underwear. Yeah, it's, it's really like, about the player interviews and the fact that everyone's all in the same spot and you can facilitate trades or what have you. But the actual workout stuff, I don't think that matters that much. You know, the here we are, we recorded today, and and Baker Mayfield. Uh, officially, his height came in a quarter inch taller than the senior bowl measurement, somehow. Oh, his hand size, by the way, if you're really worried about that, uh, also shrunk by a quarter inch. He drank a lot of milk. Uh, who knows? But what that's basically telling me is that we're worried about stuff that's not actually all that important. Sure. Because if, if it's a quarter inch here or a quarter inch there, it, it shouldn't make any difference. Uh, but it still kind of does make a difference. So I, I think there is, uh, there are a few things you can learn from it. But at the same time... I think what happens is you probably get fooled into looking for negatives at the combine instead of positives. And the positives you find are the ones you probably shouldn't worry about. Like, wow, he's really tall or he has a, his hand size is big. Okay. Those are, those are the wrong reasons to pick somebody. The, the point is, can they play football? And that's why I think it's interesting at the combine, Sam Darnold, to USC, possibly the first uh, guy that might be the first overall pick said he's not going to throw. Yeah. So you don't put too much stock into it. Let's find out how much stock, John Elway puts into evaluating quarterbacks throwing at the combine. Uh, not a lot. I mean, I think you, you get arm strength, you get quickness, and you know a little bit of accuracy. But you know, obviously, they're working with guys they haven't worked with, and and uh, so it's tough to anticipate. So, you know, you see the release and you get to see it live, see how the ball comes off. So, I think I'm in agreement with you. The combine is nice, like I always said, to dictate the arm strength. You're going to get to see them in that live action, how they throw the football, looking for that dip in the arm, how they maneuver their their shoulders and hips. But gosh, you really can't put too much into this. And I think you're dead on when you say it's more of you're putting somebody under a unfair microscope to the point to where you're almost looking for reasons not to draft this guy when you should have just followed your gut instinct that said, you know what, this guy put up gigantic numbers at X college and he won a national championship or won a Heisman or just whatever watch the, the film. case. Watch what they do just in watch games. The film. Yeah, when exactly. you talk about these workouts, especially for quarterbacks, they're throwing to guys they've never worked with. They're yeah. not wearing pads. They're not being blitzed. They're not nothing. So, when you look at it and say a guy throws a ball a little high and say, oh, yep, see, that's a huge problem. No, it's, it's not even remotely close to a game situation. So uh, it, it's a bad way to make the comparison. It was refreshing to hear John Elway say that he wasn't really concerned about that. Uh, you maybe get to see the arm strength and, and, and those kind of things. But, I mean, you can kind of see those on film, too. So I, I think the smarter teams are going to start moving away from using the combine as a major evaluation process from a physical standpoint. Just use it as an opportunity to interview the guys or if you want to do your wonderlick test or something like that. That makes sense. But the idea that someone like Sam Darnold is not throwing – I don't blame him a bit. I wouldn't if I were him because that's what's going to happen. He's talking, he's going to be what, the one or, or two pick in the draft, perhaps? All you can do is get knocked down yeah. at that point. So why even go out there and do it? And, and if the truth is, skipping it is the best, skipping at least all the physical stuff and throwing, if that is the best idea, if that's the smartest idea, then there's something wrong with your system in the first place. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where. You know, he is a top five pick. He has the luxury of knowing that that's almost a guarantee. So you could say that there is no improving that. 
The, the fact is, is that he will be one of those guys, and you know what's going to happen. He's going to go out there and throw 20 passes, and he's going to hit 18 of them, but one of them maybe slips out of his hands, goes into the sideline, and then everybody's writing about that's, that And pass. that's the one we're talking about, you know, right? And, and, and so it's just really unfair to these guys, and I, I think you're dead on. It's, it's not throwing. Doesn't bother me at all. Don't really care. I want to see the film. Quite frankly, I think if you don't know what you have kind of already in these guys and you need to see them throwing in person at a combine to figure that out, you really haven't been doing your research or homework very well anyways. So uh, certainly going to be interesting to see how Denver plays out. Lastly, uh, let's go back really quick to the conversation about Elway essentially laying everything up because this was we were sitting next to each other as these press conferences started playing live. Mm -hmm. And Vance Joseph finished his up in the morning, and we thought, oh, it's typical coach speak in this. And then John Elway just laid out everything. Right. Literally everything as far as Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders uh, coming back, Derek Wolf coming back, open for business with the number five pick, Menelik Watson, Ron Leary in their house shifting. Does this worry you at all, or does this just... Uh, constantly I, affirm the, the I think public it, perception yeah. that it affirms that this, this is, is Jerry, LA's yeah. team. It's a Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett thing, and, yeah. and that's the best comparison I could give anybody. That Jason Garrett's head coach is but, it a good thing that not, Denver's molded that way? No, I don't think so. Quite frankly, I, I don't think too many times that works out very well. Remember when the Broncos went south after their Super Bowl wins originally with Mike Shanahan there, when Mike Shanahan basically started having all the power, that's when actually everything started to fall apart a little bit for the Broncos. And when's the last time the Cowboys were competitors for a Super Bowl championships? It's it's not a way to succeed. And that part is concerning. But I did think when you talked about the Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders coming back, uh, the, the line, that felt to me, however, like an out-and-out out pitch to Kirk Cousins without tampering. Mm. Knowing that his agent's listening, knowing that that sort of thing is happening, and, and go, oh, okay, so I'm not going to lose either of those receivers? Oh, okay, we're going to move Leary back to his natural left guard spot? All right, okay. And he's, it, it felt to me like a pitch to Cousins where you can basically say, look, we're, we're not going to give up on these defensive guys for the most part. We're going to keep your wide receivers. It, it was as close to a, a sales pitch to a guy that you can't talk to as you can possibly get without yeah. talking to him. In that regard, I think it was pretty uh, it was pretty deftly handled. But again, strange that some of these things, like where a guy's going to start on the field, yeah, those should kind of come from the head coach. And Vance Joseph basically said nothing in his entire press conference except how he could be a better coach. And uh, I don't know to a certain extent how seriously you can take him if you're a player when you know that he's not really the guy that calls any shots. You know, and it's it's not so much the Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders bringing them back, I think, that really uh, pings my my attention. It's the moving Ron Leary back to left guard. Like you said, it's, it's the positional changes that really the head coach should be in charge right. of and should be the one announcing, and he very well could have announced that and in the morning. And he's clearly not in charge it. of it. And, uh, no, I think you were exactly right. I think there's a lot of uh, more Vance answering to John and then John being the one who uh, announces all this news. So, 
Certainly going to be interesting to follow as the Broncos go through the combine. Of course, it's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, 70 Colorado beers on tap. That's Sean's favorite. Yes. 100 Colorado distilled spirits. That's my favorite. I'm about 26, 27 in. I'm working on it. Terrific rooftop views. Go check them out on the web. Spell out the word 14. It's tap14.com. Tap14.com. Any closing remarks uh, when we wrap this up here? Just keep in mind, we'll be back next Next week, and we'll talk about the combine, what players the Broncos talked to, what players worked out, what players kind of made a, an, an impression, and we'll keep in uh, kind of an ear to the ground on everything going with the quarterback situation because the Broncos, I think we both agree, their their goal number one is to find a quarterback before the draft if they can, and then go ahead and, and pick one in the draft if they have to. So uh, this will be a very important weekend for the Broncos, and we'll keep you right on top of it on Monday. Find all the archived episodes of the Broncos Blitz podcast at milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com.